Good morning, good morning. Y'all doing all right today? Man, you are doing way better than first service was doing today. Let me just tell you that. Hey, we're pumped that you're here at Timber Creek Church. You could be in any, you could be doing a lot of things today. You could be hitting the lake, you know, literally hitting the lake. Maybe you're like riding a tube or a jet ski and you just hit it really hard. Uh, you could be at the mall. You could be in bed still, right? That sounds pretty good. Uh, but you're here and we're so pumped that you joined us. Um, and today we also have joining us our Die Ball campus location with our guys out there. Can we make some noise for those guys? We love you guys. Always praying for you. Hey, this week we're continuing the story, and today's title, you ready for it? Everybody repeat after me, say, I'm packing. I'm packing. It's, uh, we'll make that make sense here in just a minute, but we find ourselves in the story where we've got the kingdom, and it's been split in two. We had Solomon, and, and Solomon kind of walked away from God and really led the kingdom to be, be away from God, and so we've got that going on, and so the kingdom split in two, and we've got a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and then from there, all the kings that are ruling are just not making good life choices. They're not really following God, and we find ourselves in the story where at some point a guy named Hezekiah takes over. And if you've read any, if you've been reading the story, if you know the story of Hezekiah, he's the first king to bring Jesus back. And of course, they didn't know who Jesus was back then. I just like to say, bring Jesus back. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so he brings God back into the kingdom. And so he's the, the, the king of the southern kingdom there, and he's leading the people back to God. They've walked really far away from him, and He's kind of like, man, now that I'm in charge, like we've got to, got to, got to follow God. And so then we see from there that there's this Assyrian empire, that they're from the north and they're like conquering this part of the world, right? They are just owning this part of the world. And so at some point they take over the northern kingdom, right? They, they come and like, do they take all the people left there? They take them captive. And so the southern kingdom, King Hezekiah, he's a little worried and this is kind of where we find ourselves in the story today, all right? Kind of got you a little caught up there, and we're all good. We're on the same page. And today we're talking about packing, right? And, of course, in East Texas, we all know what it means when we say, I'm packing, right? Like, it's not something I've got to teach you. And if I do, I'll meet you down here in front after service if you're just wondering, right? Um, I was talking to a friend the other day. We were at dinner, and I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he, on the side, is driving for Lyft. I don't know if you've seen what Lyft is, but basically it's a taxi service that just uses people. Like, you put, like, a little sticker on your car, and there's an app that, like, sets them up, and you can go on the app and basically set up a ride to the airport. You can get picked up from this place and driven to this place. And so I was looking at it, and I was like, that's cool, right? He's telling me, like, you know, he's been making money, this, that, and the other, a couple stories. And I said, but, like, do you really feel safe driving, like, picking up random people, random strangers you've never met before? And this is what he said. He kind of looked at me, and he grinned, and he goes, I don't have to worry because I'm packing. And I thought, wow, it's, it's crazy how different your perspective is when you know you have something, right? Like, you know there's some form of defense that you feel more secure, and like, you can just go pick up anybody and drive wherever, and that's awesome, right? Like, he feels so much more secure doing that with a gun than he would just by himself. I mean, he's a big dude. He's pretty strong. But at the end of the day, you just never know who's getting in the car with you, right? And let's be real. In life, we, we live life, and it's hard to trust people. Like, we live in a crazy world. Like, it's hard just to turn the news on. Like, it makes you not want to go to the grocery store sometimes, right? Like, anybody ever feel the same way? Like, dude, it's scary. And you never know what you're going to come upon. You never know what's going to find its way into your day. But let's be honest. We find ourselves where problems arise, 
Like, it's so easy. You wake up, and, like, you're going to have at least a handful of problems today. Some small, some maybe big. You're going to have problems. Like, there's going to be things that pop up. And so we've got King Hezekiah. He's trying to bring the kingdom back to following God. And all of a sudden, there's a threat. And the Assyrian army, thousands upon thousands of men are making their way to own these, own these people, own this kingdom, to conquer. And these were some very barbaric, very gruesome people that you didn't really want to mess with. And in Second Chronicles, we're going to start there in chapter 32. Um, this part's a, it's like a letter. It's like a, a death threat to King Hezekiah from King Sennacherib. Everybody say Sennacherib. It's like snacking on some ribs, right? I just made somebody really hungry in here. We'll get you to lunch as soon as we can, I promise. Uh, stomachs are growling right now. It's okay, I promise. We'll get you there. And so this is what it says. It says, this is what King Sennacherib of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you think you can survive my siege of Jerusalem? Hezekiah has said that the Lord our God will rescue us from the king of Assyria. Surely Hezekiah is misleading you, sentencing you to death by famine and thirst. Surely you must realize what I and the other kings of Assyria before me have done to all the people of the earth. Were any of the gods of those nations able to rescue their power or their people from my power? Which of their gods was able to rescue its people from the destructive power of my predecessors? What makes you think your God can rescue you from me? Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. Don't let him fool you like this. I say it again. No God of any nation or kingdom has ever yet been able to rescue his people from me or my ancestors. How much less will your God rescue you from my power? And Sennacherib's officers further mocked the Lord God and his servant Hezekiah, heaping insult upon insult. The king also sent letters scorning the Lord, the God of Israel. He wrote, just as the gods of all the other nations failed to rescue their people from my power, so the God of Hezekiah will also fail. So let's just say you're having an average day and you go to the mailbox and you grab this letter. That's a, that's a, that's a fun way to start the day, right? Like, talk about the worst letter you could get in the mail ever, right? You've got thousands of, of soldiers coming your way. They want to take over. They want to conquer. And let's be honest, Hezekiah is trying to follow God, but these are some pretty big threats. This is some pretty scary stuff. And if you do the research, you come to find that the army of, of, of Assyria number over 185,000 men. Man, that's a lot of people. That's a lot to be afraid of. And at the end of the day, Hezekiah is looking out, and he's got 185,000 problems right in front of him. I can only imagine the stress of leading an entire kingdom, but on top of that, you've got a threat like this. You've got a problem like this in front of you, and it's uneasy. It's hard. And a lot of us can relate to King Hezekiah because, like, maybe, maybe we're trying to live for God, and we're trying to follow God with, with everything we have. And at some point, problems are going to pop up. At some point, your day's not going to go exactly like you planned for it to go. At some point, things aren't going to be perfect and easy. You're going to find yourself in a struggle. You're going to find yourself with maybe not 185,000 problems in front of you, but you've got some pretty scary, crazy things that you're looking at. Like, What do you do? How are you supposed to live life? How are you supposed to go on? 
And today I want to I walk into this story. I want to read this story with the thought that I'm packing. Because we serve an incredible God who cares about us. We serve an incredible God that wants to see us through the storms and the struggles of life. And at the end of the day, we know, we've heard it at church, God is bigger than our problems. But today I want to dig through this. I want to see what Hezekiah does with 185,000 problems facing him dead on. I want to see what he did. And I, I think there's a few things that we can do in our life to, to follow Hezekiah and to be like him because he does some pretty cool stuff. Will you pray with me this morning? Dear Jesus, we believe in who you are. God, we know that in this moment, God, in these next few moments, you can change hearts and change lives and help us just follow you in a better way. God, believe in who you are. We love you, Jesus. Amen. What do you do when you're surrounded by 185,000 problems? I want to read a verse to you. It's 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. It says, when King Hezekiah heard their report, he went and played Xbox. Sounds like a good idea. I mean, you got problems. You just, you just need to unload the stress, right? No, that's not what he did. I'm just, I'm just joking. Um, it says that when, he, when King Hezekiah heard their report, it says he went and raided the pantry of the palace found the ice cream and the Little Debbies. Come on. If I can't get an amen for Little Debbies in the house, I don't know what I can get an amen for. This is what it says. When King Hezekiah heard their report, he tore his clothes and put on burlap and went into the temple of the Lord. So he didn't just get all stressed out and Try to go make the to-do list of like, maybe if we do this and this and this and this, and if I have some strategy here, maybe we can do this, and this is going to be the answer to my problems. It's not what he did. He went to the temple of the Lord. And I'm just going to assume today that he didn't just go in there and twiddle his thumbs. I'm not just going to assume that he went to the temple because it made him look good. I'm pretty sure he went to the temple and he prayed. And today I... I want to help us understand that we have God on our side. And that what activates God being on our side, like we follow him, we're, we're going after Jesus. But there's this little thing called prayer that honestly, I feel like so many of us have just undermined. That we have underestimated the power of what prayer can really do in our lives. Today, I want to dig into this. I want to help you just have a few things. And, and here's the first thing today. The first thing that we can do when we're facing down problems in our life is unleash the power of prayer. Unleash the power of prayer. I imagine like you've got a really big dog and you unleash, a, you unleash your dog just to go do whatever it needs to do, right? Like if it's, if it's your guard dog, you just let that thing go and it's going after stuff. Like that's the same thing. That's the same idea that we're going to unleash the power of prayer in our life. And it, we've got to do a few things before we get there. Number one, we have to understand and know that prayer is powerful, that prayer really changes things. And a lot of people want to go, Pastor Seth, God changes things and we just pray to God. And that's 100% accurate. But God might not know, like he knows what's going on in our life, but he might not know that you need him if you're not calling to him, right? Like God has to, to know the things going on in our life. If we don't pray to him, if we don't communicate to him, why is God going to show up and help out? Prayer changes things. I love this passage of scripture. Um, it's James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, the power of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It doesn't say it's okay. It doesn't say, you know, it's kind of cool, it's kind of powerful. 
it is powerful and effective. And a part that we can't overlook in, in that passage, in that verse, is it says, the prayers of a righteous person. Okay, it doesn't mean you've got to be perfect. It doesn't mean that everything you do and everything, everything you say, every action you live out is just 100% in line with who God is. I believe it's just, man, if you're, if you're striving to go after God, if you're giving him everything you have, if you've, if you've decided to make Jesus the center of your life, your prayer can be powerful and effective. It can do things, it can change things in your life. The power of prayer is rooted in faith. And we've got to understand that our whole entire relationship with God is based in belief. It's based in faith. And when we pray, and it's not like just the last resort. It's not just like the last thing that we do when we're desperate. We want to see the situations in our life change. Been there? Anybody? Come on. Um, when, it, when it's not just something that we reluctantly do or, you know, we say, oh, I'm praying for it. And you just, you know, whatever, just kind of go about your life. We've got to understand that we've got to have the faith to believe that when we go to God and we say, God, I need you to see this situation and I need, I mean, I need things to change. I need a fix to this problem. We've got to actually have the faith. We've got to be crazy enough to know that when we pray it, something can happen. And we got a lot of Christians out there living life and man, they'll even write like praying for you, you know, are you really praying? Are you really lifting it up to God? Are you really believing that God is bigger than the problem? Because God has called us to unleash the power of prayer. And it starts with faith. And without faith, you have nothing. Without faith, you're just talking to nothing. But it's rooted in faith. It's, it's, it's rooted in what we believe. And I, I love Hezekiah because he's confident. And this, he, he gets the people together. And like, let's be honest. The people are scared. They're peeing their pants. Like they are worried. Right? And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. It says, Then Hezekiah encouraged them by saying, Be strong and courageous. I think we've heard that before. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army, for there is a power far greater on our side. That'll preach, y'all. Could we could just leave right now. We could just go home, get in the car, go eat lunch. Like, that's it, right? He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord of our God to help us to fight our battles for us. I love Hezekiah's demeanor because he is leading the people. Because it's one thing to knock down some idols and clear out the temple and, you know, say we're following God. But it's a completely different thing when you've got 185,000 problems facing you down and you're still following God. And you're not just quaking in your boots. You're not just thinking, man, maybe this will fix itself. You believe. And then you, you inspire other people to believe. It's pretty cool. When, when, when you live this out and when you live out the power of prayer, when you unleash it in your life, people are going to start asking questions. And that guy prayed and, and this changed. And that, that guy I go to work with, he's in the cubicle next to me. Like, man, he prayed for me and, and this, this changed. We need the world to see the power of prayer. We need the world to see who God is and that he's still active, that he's still doing things in our life and that he still cares about us. We need it. I love this verse in Philippians chapter four. It says, don't worry about anything. Everybody say anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds 
anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I want to say this in the right way because somebody could just take this and, and, and run with it. And We've got to understand that by not believing, by not having the faith, we're determining what we believe. Let me just make, make this make sense. I'm trying to wrap it up here in my mind. This was in the first service right here. So you're just, you're getting a little extra. When we don't believe and when we don't go to God in prayer, what is it saying about what we believe and the life that we live? And like I'm saying, we got a lot of people out there in this world that they're trying to fix things on their own. They're trying to solve all the problems. They've got this. And at some point you're gonna get to the end of your rope and you're gonna realize you don't, but God does. And then you're gonna come to God in desperation, last minute, and you're gonna say, God, please fix this for me. God, please, I need this. We've gotta make prayer something that's not just the last resort, but it's, man, it's the first thing we do. And as Christians, we're to be rooted in faith to believe that when we pray, when we come to God, when we ask him for something, our situations are gonna change. And it speaks to the beliefs we have it speaks to how much we really, truly believe in who God is. And it's, it's cool to come to church and we paint this picture and like, dude, just pray and things are gonna change, right? And I would be an awful communicator of the gospel and of God's word if I just came in here and just, you know, gave you a cupcake and just go pray. Like, just go pray and it's gonna fix everything. Because somebody's gonna go home, they're gonna get in the car, they're gonna go pray for something and nothing changes. It's like you, you go to the store and you're walking in the mall or something and you see something like on the mannequin in the store and it looks good. You're like, dude, I need that shirt, right? Anybody been there? Come on. You're walking through the mall, you see it and you buy the shirt because it looks so good at the store and then you get home and you, you button it on and then you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I don't look as good as the mannequin did. <laughs> this shirt doesn't look as good on me as it did at the store. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the people at the store have got like these pins and they're pinning the shirt back. Like if you've ever worked in retail, right? They've got the right lighting and they're just making it look so good. And as the church, we can't just let people come in and say, pray for things and it's gonna be fixed. Like we can't just say, oh, it looks good, take it home. And then they take it home and they button the shirt on and they're like, what's going on? They said, if I pray, things are going to change. They said, if I pray, the situations in my life are going to change. And here's what we have to understand. Here's something that it's, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around. There is only one limitation to the prayers that we pray. And it's God's will. And this is the part that's just so hard to walk through because we want something. We want something so bad. And we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and we've fallen on our knees and we've cried the tears and we've begged God to change a situation in our life. We've prayed for that family member. And nothing changes. And it only gets worse. And we walk away with the cupcake of prayer and we always don't understand that there is a limitation. And what we have to understand in God's will in dealing with this is that God knows things we don't know. And God's already dealing with an imperfect world full of imperfect people making imperfect decisions. And that the all-powerful, all-knowing God 
He's got a lot of things going on at once. He's got a lot of situations simultaneously going on. And we pray our prayer, and we pray our prayer, and we pray our prayer, and nothing changes. And let's be honest, it's the point we get to that we lose faith. Because maybe we start with faith, and we start by believing, but after a while we forget, like, what's, what's the point? The cancer took over. What's the point? My marriage is, it's already done, it's over. What's the point? My kids have already made those decisions and they, they're already living in the consequences of it. And it's this hard, delicate place we find ourselves in as Christ's followers that we have faith in God, but nothing changes. And we have to understand that God has a perspective that we can't wrap our mind around. And that there's situations that we pray for, but God knows a, a better outcome. And that at the end of the day, God's not looking at the decision-making process based on a life that we live, but an eternity that we live out. And we're, we're so confined to the things that we want and that we pray for with, you know, an average 70-something years. And like I said, in a world that, of imperfect people and imperfect situations, but God cares about you. And God loves you. And this is the hard part. We could have skipped over this, but there would have been a lot of people disappointed. And I'm sick of seeing people disappointed in the prayers that they pray. We continue to have faith. We continue to believe because God is good. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him. It's not, this is the eh, kind of feeling that we have towards God. This is the disappointed feeling. This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And as we mature and grow in our relationship with Christ, we have to get to a point and say, God, I want to pray things according to your will, not my will. Because if it was my will, this world would be a messed up place. If everything happened in this world and it was based on my decision making, it would not be good. If we had the power of God's will, we couldn't handle it. And that's when we just say, God, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting it all in your hands. Through the toughest circumstances, through the biggest, scariest problems, God, I'm gonna believe in you and who you are, that you're good, and that I don't have to worry about it anymore. That I don't have to stress about it anymore. It doesn't have to weigh on me anymore because I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. And God, you know a solution. You know how to fix this better than I do. And it's not always going to be the way we want. And it's heavy and it's hard. And so many people walk away from God because it doesn't go the way, things don't go the way that they wanted it to. But it's one of those things where we still believe and that we can say, God, I want to know your will. God, I want to mature in my relationship with you. And I want to pray things according to your will so I can know what to pray for. So that when I do pray and I gather with people to pray for things, something can change. And I hope we can be challenged to believe in a God that is capable of the impossible. Because it's rooted in faith. Because prayer does change things. And I love the story of Hezekiah because he prays. And things change. 
that he believes in God and that it's not just one of these things that he reluctantly does. It's not something that's on the to-do list of my life as a Christian. He prays. He's following God. As the story goes on, Hezekiah receives more and more threats, letters that are just anybody would be scared of. And in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14, and this is what it says. He gets another letter and it says, after Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. Man, I love the imagery of this, this passage. Because again, more threats come in and it's not, hey, what are we gonna do? More threats come in and it's not, hey, let's make a game plan. I'm gonna run. I'm just gonna go hide somewhere. I'm just gonna go eat food because I just don't even know how to process this. We see Hezekiah and he goes to the temple and he begins to pray. And what I love is he takes those threats, those letters that are so scary and they're so audacious and they're calling out his God and he takes them and he spreads them across the floor of the temple. This morning, how different would the situations in your life be? Maybe if you got just a note and you wrote what that problem was and you put it right out in front of you and you prayed. What's that going to do, Pastor? I've already been praying for this. Like, There's just something to saying, God, I'm going to surrender my cares. I'm going to surrender my worries, and I'm going to believe in who you are. I'm placing it at your feet. God, show up and change this situation. And he gets those threats, and he lays them out. And Man, how cool would it be if we could just, it's something so simple. I get notes on my phone, or like I said, you just bust out a sticky note, and Maybe some of these are the things that you're dealing with. Maybe you have an enemy against you. Maybe you are facing down something you can't handle, something you can't conquer on your own, and it's scary. It's weighing down on you. Maybe you're here today and your marriage is struggling. And it's weighing on your life. It's weighing on your family. And today, instead of just trying to go fix it some other way, you need to bring it to God and say, God, it's yours. God, it's in your hands. Maybe you have some health issues of your own or from a family member or a friend. Maybe they're in the hospital right now and it's weighing on you and you're so worried about them. Let's write it down and place it in front of God. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe insecurity has robbed the joy out of your life. They're going to throw up a bunch of other things, and maybe you're struggling with any of them. Frustration, pressure, lost your purpose, relationship issues. There's so many things in this world, and it might not add up to 185,000. But for some of us, maybe we've just got a handful of things. And if we would just be brave enough, if we'd be crazy enough, if we would be audacious enough to say, God, I'm placing it before you because I believe in who you are. I know you're capable. I know things can change. And I know my prayers are heard. And as you lay it before God, and you're just setting, you're setting yourself up for something. Today, the second thing that I think we can hold on to and believe is that when we, we, can, we have to introduce your problems to the power. And when you say problems, here's my God. Here's the power that I have. I'm packing. You better watch out because my God is bigger than you. Oh, man, I'm getting excited, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
man, what would this world look like? What would our lives look like? Instead of chasing off, trying to fix it ourselves, instead of just crying in the corner, we go to God and say, God, it's yours. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to stop being so fearful of the situations in front of me. And God, I'm laying it before you. Here's my problems. Problems, here's my God. And especially in a situation like this, where you've got the king of Assyria bashing God. Because they've conquered all the other gods, right? They've beaten them all. But we see Hezekiah, he stands firm and he believes. He knows that God is faithful. He knows that God is good. He knows that he can believe in God and things can change. 2 Kings chapter 19, it says, After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations. And they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course the Assyrians could not destroy them or could destroy them. They were not gods at all, only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. It's a brave prayer. It's a powerful prayer. It's an effective prayer. Hezekiah, he sees the problem in front of him. He comes to God and he lays it before him. And he says, God, I know you have me. Other people, they believe in other gods and it's a waste of time. I know that if I believe in you, that according to your will, things can change. I love how audacious Hezekiah is. I love the result of this prayer, of this story. In Isaiah chapter 37, we, we see the end result. And let's be honest, when you're in the storm, when you're in the struggle, it's hard to see the end result because the waves are crashing against you. The problems are weighing upon you. It's hard to see the end result. It's hard to continue to believe. It's hard to continue to have faith. But we see what happens. This is what it says. That night, the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. And if you read on, it says he was praying to his gods in the temple that he had and that his sons came in and killed him with their swords. This story is a reminder that when we pray, things change. That when we unleash the power of prayer onto the problems, onto the struggles of our life, guess what? We're packing. We've got it. Not because we have it, but because God has it. Because God sees us where we're at. He sees the struggles. He sees the storms. And he's coming after us. And he says, I have your back. And what would happen 
we would just unleash the power of prayer in our life and say, problem, here's my God. Oh, I think we'd be amazed to see the result. And just like God wiping out 185,000 people, he can wipe away that problem that's in front of you. He can wipe it all out. I love this verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's a powerful passage. It's a powerful verse, but it's 100% true. And maybe right now you're going through something. Maybe there is a struggle so strong in your life and you already feel defeated. Let me tell you that prayer can change things in your situation. That when you invite God into the scene, we can't even imagine the outcome. We, can't, we don't even know the words to pray sometimes, but all we have to do is say, God, I'm laying it right here before you. I'm believing in who you are, and I know things are going to change. And this morning, some of you need a miracle. Some of you need the weight lifted off your shoulders. You've been holding on for too long, and you're beaten, and you're broken, and you're sick and tired of it. This morning, you need to unleash the power of prayer. Oh, and this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. We believe in a powerful God. That maybe you got, you're a little excited right now. I can scream in the microphone and get excited. But it's when you walk out these doors and you go back to your normal life and it's so hard to hold on to that faith. Let me tell you, you can have an outcome just like this. Your story can end this way. We can believe in God and his perfect will. And this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity. I wanna give you an opportunity to write down some things that you're struggling with and that you're, that you're needing to unleash the power of prayer. So if you look at the bulletin that you got when you came in, if you don't have one of those, just grab a, one of the pieces of paper in the seat back pocket in front of you, pull out the Sharpie and write it on your arm. But this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity. I wanna give you an opportunity to believe in a God that can change things in your life, to activate some faith and let prayer change some things because you've got problems out in front of you. You've got some scary, huge, big things. And this morning, you don't need another solution. You don't need another YouTube video to show you how to fix something, right? You don't need another friend saying, hey, I'm praying for you. You need to go to God and pray. You need to believe. I'm gonna pray over you and then we're just gonna give you a few minutes this is your response. We're putting it to action. Dear Jesus, we know who you are. We know what you're capable of. And God, we're praying you into the situations, the struggles, the storms that we're facing. And God, this morning, we're gonna write them down and we're gonna place them in front of you and say, God, I give up control. God, I'm not gonna act like I have it together anymore and I'm gonna believe in who you are. I'm gonna believe that when I have faith, things can change. We love you, Jesus. We welcome you into these lives and these situations right now.